0: It's going to be a great show. Ah, it's so good to be here. By the way, I'm glad that we got, we have Jonathan on the phone right now, all the way from Kansas City, man. How you doing, buddy? Yo, doing good, doing good. Doing good. Well, we're blessed that the power of technology allows us to have these things. Um, but yeah, it's going to be a great day. And speaking of this show, Jonathan, can you tell us what it's all about?
1: the Radical Podcast is discipleship and biblical living, featuring conversation, Q and A's concerning a wide variety of topics. Help you grow as disciples of the local church through leadership, discipleship, and mission. What up, son?
0: I'm your son now. Oh man, that's awesome. Well, yeah. daddy, um, can I call oh, you that? Da- is that weird?
1: Oh, don't call me daddy. That's just weird.
0: Oh well, you I call me son. That's a little weird. Uh. Just <laughs> life is good man got boys playing basketball which is a sport that i would have never associated my last name with um we got all kinds of stuff going on how how are you doing how's your family
1: it's good man i can't believe uh easter's right around the corner easter <laughs> Man, it's 2022. It seems like the last several years has gone so quickly.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Uh, yeah, I'm really grateful, thankful. God's been kind. He's good. Yeah, Yep. And we've
0: got a good show for you today. And I just wanted to start with uh, something that happened at my church recently. And, uh, you know, if, if my associate pastor is listening, he knows that I love him. Um, but last weekend, uh, I let uh, my associate pastor preach. We're doing a series together. And so he preached last Sunday. Um, getting some reps, getting some experience. And uh want to talk about that a little bit more. Like, Let's talk about sharing the pulpit. And and what does that mean? And, and, and do churches do that? Why do we do that? You ready for that conversation? Yeah.
1: So, yeah, episode 28. It's been a couple months since the last time we talked about it. But we want to talk about why we share the pulpit or why not, right? And I guess, like, I don't know about you, but I think like, you know, I had the privilege of working at three different churches, um, you know, in the SBC circle. And, uh, I don't know about you, but a lot of times I've noticed that, uh, the pulpit is usually the lead pastor or the senior pastor, depending on the size of your church is the primary preacher. And, uh, barely, I think really like 50 times out of 52 weeks of Sunday, uh, the preacher has a pulpit. And, uh, I don't know about you, but I think really the question, why doesn't the pulpit get shared? I think there's a tradition that that kind of competes against that. Just generally people expect the lead pastor, the senior pastor uh, to preach and the pulpit is rarely shared.
0: Yeah, and my experience has been like yours. Uh, I know I was talking to a pastor the other day and he said he needs to be preaching 90 90 to 95% of the time. Um, That's the expectation of his church. I, I'm going to argue that it's hard to raise up the next generation of pastors if we don't share the pulpit. So there's there's good and there's there's bad. Uh, you, I, I talked to you about my associate pastor. He 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 uh, he brought up something in his message um, that I told him later on. I said I wish you would have brought uh, brought that one by me before you would have said that. He uh, caught me off guard. If we had to kind of talk about it later on. And so there is like this feeling of, I'm gonna protect this space, this pulpit space, and I don't want any other outside influence. This is like my space. So what does a pulpit represent even in a church? Let's talk yeah. about that.
1: Yeah, that's that's good. You know, and again, when we say tradition, you know, sometimes tradition is not bad itself, really. I mean, tradition could be good, but sometimes I think there's unhealthy traditions. I think this is one of the case. That people have a mentality that we pay the pastor to preach every week. If they don't, then he's not doing his job. That's all he does. He just he just. Yeah. That's all he does is preach. That's all. That's his whole job, right? Yeah. And biblically speaking, it's so much more than that. I do. Th- I do think to answer your question, Brandon, about what does the pulpit represent? I do think the pulpit represents power and authority. Um, whether you know people preach from a table or not, I do think Sunday morning generally uh, that pulpit preaching is at least in our church is kind of like the majority of the time that we spent, we were listening to the preaching of God's word. Uh, we're, and sometimes even the pulpit at times, it's not that represented more, it's like a storytelling, uh, grandma, grandpa, stories that make you cry, maybe a story of a puppy uh, on the mission field and so forth. Um, I'm not saying stories are bad, but I do think the pulpit does symbolize power, authority, influence, a place that uh, people look to. Um, So just kind of, I can't kind of back it up right now, Um, but even if we have to go biblically, I do think the teaching portion of the preaching of God's word, I do think that's a huge, huge component of influence uh, that we see. So I think the pulpit represents authority and power.
0: Yeah. Do you think, and you can tell me if I'm wrong, but I believe that our uh, our experiences of the pulpit really stem from the Jewish synagogue and how they they had a spot where someone would stand or, or would be, sit, they would be, and then they would read a verse, and then someone would give a little message or something along those lines. And I, I think that's kind of where we get... Uh, you know, from the traditions of the synagogue, from the traditions of the Jews that that were, you know, the original Christians. And uh, that's kind of where we started to put together um, how we did church, although on a different day and all that. Um, and so they, they put a lot of respect into that spot. That, that that And so we put a lot of respect into not just everybody, not just because you have a good speaking voice doesn't mean you should be able to preach or to stand up and to teach. You know what I mean? And so yes. we should, in some ways, we should guard that area. Um, but would you think, would you believe that maybe we should be offering a little bit more opportunity uh, to others? Um, or how do you feel about that on, on preaching? Yeah.
1: yeah, so to answer your question, to I'm trying to be faithful. Actually, it's a guess and no, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think we need to put some caution, guards. And, and you know, this is a matter of leadership and discipleship. Mm-hmm. And uh, we need to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. I don't know about you. I'm just going to speak from experience. Until the time I came as a lead pastor to lead a church, I've served in the church about 10 years. I think I've total only preached on a Sunday morning, total four times. Wow. Ministry um, That didn't really prepare me well. Um, and, and I think if we, so for me, I try to allow other guys to have opportunities to share the pulpit. I do think also biblically plurality of pastors, which really comes from James chapter five. I think the mentality is not there's one pastor, but there's multiple pastors um, because then the church is able to be kind of grace and gifted by people because there's not a perfect pastor of the full package. I recognize that with my own weakness as well. Uh, So that being said, even the pulpit, I think it's more appropriate and healthy to have um, plurality of that, of mixture and also training. Uh, So so Brandon, to answer your question, I do think we cannot expect somebody to do something unless we give them opportunity. Mm -hmm. Seminaries try to train them, but they only have so much time in the classroom. There's something else actually doing it. And that's where the churches have great opportunity. But I do do think we have to be careful. Yes, we should, but no, uh, if it's gonna cause division and confusion in the church.
0: Yeah. So there's a lot of good reasons and there are some cons. Let's talk about those a little bit and then maybe later on we can move into what it might look like to help a pastor uh, as they prepare to to take the pulpit. Um, some good things. Um, one, we're offering people experience and that's what you were just talking about. I think I was preaching maybe four or five times a year on a Sunday morning. Now, I still preached in youth groups and things like that, But let's just be frank. It's different. It's just a different animal altogether. Right. Um, And and on a Sunday morning, it's just totally different. And so giving people reps and experience uh, is really crucial. Uh, So, yeah, I don't don't think I had enough reps. Something else that I think that we need to keep in mind is that uh, preachers, they need a break. Like, whether they realize it or not, it takes a lot out of you. And I made that joke earlier about, well, preaching is the only thing that a pastor does. And that's what some people think about us. Um, but we put a ton of time into our churches, a ton of time into our messages, a ton of time into, you know, some people are writing books and doing podcasts and doing different things like that. And uh, and discipling people and building people up and teaching small groups. It just goes on and on and on. It's nice. Like I said, last Sunday, my associate preached and I got so much done. Just, I had a break from that side of things. And so I was up here working on like website stuff and I was working on some of the, uh, some of the artsy fartsy stuff that I like that really I never have time to do. Um, So I think that's a a great thing to give your pastor a a break. Um, You know, you have a young pastor or an associate be able to preach for a week. I got, I got a couple more, but I'm sure you have some too.
1: Yeah, I think, uh, you know, there's other churches I've seen, you know, again, not every church can do this. If you're more in a rural, small church, um, I think a lot of, at least in Missouri, uh, in the SBC circle, in the Missouri Baptist Commission, the average size running church these days is about 60 to 70. Right. So. So if you're in a larger church, you're capable of doing this and you see in a larger church to do it. So I see preaching teams, Mm -hmm. um, you know, so people like they would take like three or four people. So there may be a student pastor, the lead pastor and a teaching pastor. They all work together, looking at a passage. They look at the commentaries they share together. They're having preaching plans, like a 15 week sermon series on the book of, I don't know, Ephesians or something. Um, then, then you're sharing the pulpit together and doing it. I think that's beautiful because then it's not just one person taking the load. And you and I know uh, Brandon how many hours we put in. I think for me average I really do put 20 plus hours. And If you work a full time 40 hours at a church that's half of what you do. And and on top of that hospital visitation. I had a visitation this morning with a member. You're doing administration job, leading your staff and so forth. I mean it takes quite a bit doesn't it? Yeah. So I do think the benefit when you do a preaching team like that which not every church can do it and afford it uh, that's absolutely understandable if you're bi-vocational you know you have another full time job in doing it so um, I don't want people to feel guilty if they don't have a preaching team it's just a different way to do it I think it's beneficial um, I, think, I think the again the pros are that you're able to hear from a flavor of different pastors yeah uh, i think that's beautiful because not not every lead pastor's strength is preaching actually maybe their strength is shepherding their strength is counseling maybe their strength is leadership and administration um then then you're able to see the spiritual gifts like first corinthians 12 talks about being kind of distributed and used and uh, I think I think that's a huge plus, uh, really. And and what you said, the plus with uh, you know the pastor to be able to be able to just you know delegate and focus on other stuff. Also, you are breaking tradition of many traditional churches that they said, wait, I thought we we're paying the pastor to preach Sunday, and we're letting somebody else to do it. Then why are we paying them? Then you have to preach and disciple and teach change that mentality so the church doesn't think the pastor's job is only to preach Sunday morning but that will take time
0: yeah I think it's unfortunate that, that people believe that they that's what they're that they're paying a pastor to preach um because you know studies studies show us that about 60 70 percent of what you hear you immediately forget right and so if, if we're paying a pastor just to preach we probably don't really value our money right because <laughs> you're gonna forget a lot of what he has to say um, a lot of the great, greatest lessons we ever learned are in our own private study, but that's a whole nother podcast in itself. You know, let me give you a couple others that were on my mind. You, you said one kind of uh, speakers have different expertise, right? You know, maybe someone's talking about uh, a young earth or, or, or something along those lines and that's their expertise. I want I want that person to, uh, to, to be able to, to teach that more than me. Right? Maybe someone's talking about depression and, and mental illness. Um, I don't have a lot of that e- expertise as far as experiencing those things. And so maybe someone who's gone through some difficult stuff—maybe that's who I want to speak. So there's different expertise and things like that. Another one that we don't think about very often is I'm going to call it the limited grace period. Do you know what this is? The limited grace period. And here's what it is: Let's say I bring on a pastor and he's been with me for six months. I have a limited amount of time that the church is going to look at him and go, oh, he's the new person and the new person is learning to preach. And they're going to show him a ton of grace the first two, three, four times. Now, if he's been on my staff for five years and he gets up to preach, people are going to be a lot more cold to him and not really understand that he is new to the pulpit. They don't get it because they've expected him to have that experience. There's, I mean, even though you say, uh, you know, we're expected to preach every Sunday. There's still an expectation that whoever's on our staff has the ability. Uh, and so there's like this limited grace period. And we're kind of going through that right now with my associate. He's, he's fresh out of seminary. He's uh, still working through some stuff and he's teaching occasionally with me. Uh, and my church just loves him and they show him so much grace and love and, and he feels that and that's exactly how I want them to to deal with that to handle that you know what I mean
1: yeah yeah. let me talk also some of the positive of not maybe just even Sunday morning I think it's good to you know at times traditional churches have revivals yeah and you know maybe bible conferences i see churches do that they talk about topics hot topic issues such as you know lgbtq issues and different topics i think it allows the church to hear that you know i don't know about you but there's certain topics i preach and preach and preach and preach and talk mm-hmm. and talk teach 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 but it never hits them until it comes from a different perspective yeah the beauty of partnership that that you know that allows the church to grow and learn. Somebody you've entrusted outside of the church to be able to speak into certain topics. Obviously, you're risking certain things, right? But I I, I look at like such as Charles Spurgeon, who is a prince of preacher, and uh, he you know shared a pulpit with uh, D.L. Moody, who was one of the world's greatest evangelists in the 1800s, in the 19th century. And I think it's amazing because Charles Spurgeon, theological orientation, he was a very uh, uh, Calvinistic preaching. And we know about Theo Moody, who was more an Armenian preaching. But I think there was uh, just such a beauty and uh, just to learn and grow together from both sides. And I think it, it allows the church to see that wow, we can be united together. You know, scripture said how pleasant it is when brothers unite in harmony, and that they're not divided. And I think that's a, that's a good huge plus yeah. when you're able to share the pulpit with other people, even maybe outside of your church context.
0: Yeah, so we, we've hit some some good ones. Uh, let's let's cover maybe just a couple of bad reasons before we go into how we can help the person who's going to be preaching, right? Um, one is there's there's a fear of what they might say. I think every pastor has this uh, at some point when they first give their pulpit to someone and you know they might just might say something that you that you a little bit disagree with or they might say something a little um you know scary for you. Uh, did you do you do you relate to that at all?
1: Yeah, I mean so so this is different from a pulpit but even like leading up front you know yeah. in a prick or sharing about the ministry update missionaries who would come in right right that that's not necessarily sharing the pulpit but maybe you're out of town but let's say you have it happens to be doing the sacraments the ordinance of communion and you get a young bible college student to come in and say hey welcome we're so glad you're here and then they make a statement that's totally contrary to your church statement. So they will say, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter your you're a follower of Jesus or you're a Mormon. You can take the communion. Mm. You can take the elements. And then you were going to have your phone blow up during vacation time, whether you're in the mountains of Colorado or you're in the beach uh, in Florida. And I think that's something to be aware, of, right? Just or they going to say something contrary to the the church cooperatively holding to a convictional belief, and I think that's—I think that's a legitimate, you know, maybe fear is not the right word, but just to be concerned as a leader, because, like I said. We see the pulpit as where authority and power is, and that's where the word of God comes from. Uh, Elise, I I hope that's the case with your church, Mm -hmm. that your pastor, your minister preaches from the Bible, and they associate the pulpit with God, not with the preacher, but really this is where we stand. Submit or self under, and if they say something contrary to the Bible, I think rightly so. As a shepherd is one who guards from the evil one from outside. Um, Yeah, there's. I think there's. There could be some healthy fear there. Uh, That's a con, definitely.
0: Yeah, and I don't really have. I don't really have too many other cons besides. There's a little bit of anxiety that you might feel in allowing that person up there. Um, you know, there's just. I think that there's way more positive things. I'm really trying to think of more cons and I just can't, I'm not coming up with any.
1: Yeah, so for me, I think about 1st Timothy 3, uh, which again, it's not about preaching, but it's about the preachers and the pastors. And one of the things, again, if we just want to be a biblical church, one of the things is uh, to not put a young convert, to not put a young convert uh, so that they will be puffed up and so forth and uh, because they're characterized with quarrelsome and so forth and, um, you know, I think that's that's just wisdom there. You know, um, you know that that's also with just qualification of the elder pastor uh, that people just got to be aware of looking at when they're looking at uh, getting somebody into the pulpit because I think you know what James chapter four, I think he says in the first Peter, God gives grace to the humble, but what? But he opposes the proud. He opposes the proud. Um, so, so there's i think some of those guidelines i think you know so that people will get puffed up and conceited and then it says they will fall into condemnation of the devil um so just because somebody says i have a desire to preach pastor mm-hmm. i need to preach from the pulpit that's where you need to ask and pray and think through like have they shown qualification they're ready you know you don't want to get somebody who's not above approach mm-hmm. into the pulpit, whether we like it or not, you know, whether it doesn't mean only ordained clergy seems to be in the pulpit, but you do want to give some time. And that that just kind of gives you time to be able to observe and watch, um, you know, I would say sometimes internship programs are great that you can train them, equip them, disciple them before they get the pulpit, um, even like residency programs that so you may have a eldership, you know, pastor leadership pipeline in your church. And, You know, maybe you want to give them an opportunity to preach, you know, and like you said, you know, I think there's safe ways to go about it, right? Like Wednesday night, if you have a Wednesday night youth activity, you know, get them to train there or Sunday school and watch them close and then eventually get them into the pulpit. Um, You know, so again, there's a little cons, but like you said, I think the positive outweighs the cons. I do think you have to know your culture of the church. Uh, If you're, church has not been used to that, that's just going to be shocking to them. Um, if if the pulpit hasn't been shared very often uh, by others or people that they, they trust, I would say even a deacon, I think it's okay to get a deacon who has a gifted, gift set of teaching, you know, that's one of the spiritual gifts we see in scripture and to do that, but you need to mold and train them uh, to help them if it's going to help you. Uh, I would say, you know, do that. You don't necessarily have to use, um, an ex pastor or ex missionary, but you see them, they're gifted and they have a heart and, uh, they, they may have a calling to be a pastor one day. Um, so again, you know, I think it's good, a lot of good, but there are definitely cons and it makes sense why, um, Maybe, perhaps, in your church, in your you know those listeners, you haven't seen your pastor share the pulpit, uh, but the pastor needs to have some guardrails in order to get there, uh, to to not get anybody there, but there has to be some qualifications, characteristic that are helpful. That's good.
0: Um, so one thing I'm not saying is I'm not saying we shouldn't protect our pulpit. We definitely want to do that. I'm reminded of a a guy who came and visited a church and he walked up to the preacher and he just said, "Hey, my name's such and such just so you know if you ever need anybody to preach, I'm available." That's like a red flag for me. Like I just met you. Hello, you're not you're not taking my, the the I don't know you. You know what I mean? So we do protect it. Um, but there are far more good things than bad things. You talked about some sort of training. Maybe you're a pastor and you're in a rural church or you're looking around and you're like, "I don't even have a deacon." Um, the only way someone's going to come in for you is either pulpit supply, if you have an um, a, a association that has some pulpit supply that could help you out, or is, is for you to train up someone in your congregation. And there's ways to do that. What we do at our church, um, we identify people who may have a gifting in this area. They go through a, a, a series of classes with me on what it means to preach. And uh, we talk about that. And then we talk about how to put a sermon together. And then um, they end up putting a sermon together, and then they have to preach it to me, and I, I listen and I help them through that. They may preach it two or three times. Uh, I think my associate pastor preached that sermon to me twice before I ever let him preach on a Sunday morning, because um, he just needed the he needed the time, and he needed to listen to. Uh, I don't want to call myself a seasoned pastor, but he needed to listen to me, and that's all they got, you know. Uh, talk about different preaching styles and things like that, and and I. I never want any pastor to be me, by the way, I'm, I'm teaching like the basics and I want you to be your own person. I'm teaching how to study the Bible correctly. I'm teaching that the scriptures need to be the center of everything that you say, right? Uh, I see Jesus and exegesis, we're talking about those things. And, you know, by the time he got up there on that Sunday morning, I felt really good about everything. So you want maybe a long runway with these guys that are learning and growing, Um but it, I'm going to tell you, it's worth it. You know, it, it was cool that that I could go for a vacation and he could take and – I, and I don't have to worry. I know that everything's going to be all right.
1: You know what I mean? Yeah. And again, I, I do think, like you said, you know, I, I have occasionally, even last year during summer, we had a summer intern. And uh, because we're so close to Midwestern Baptist Hill Seminary, uh, they have something called the Timothy Tribe. Which means these students are in the MD program. They partner with the church a year or two, and then they get to kind of walk with you, shadow with you for each week, ten hours, and they get a discount for their schooling. And uh, so, you know, with those students, you know, I'm going to walk with them. They want to go hospital visits, like um, you know, my associate and I went to a visitation this morning together. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think those are good, you know, because a lot of things is caught rather than taught, and uh, you know the. When you're in preaching class and seminary it's a lot of theoretical stuff right. rather than kind of diving in and learning and doing it yourself so so again like i think those are good um and you know this summer i'm gonna lord willing launch together with one of uh, who's an ex-pastor in our church and to teach people who are interested to learn you know how to do homiletics and how to deliver a sermon, and how does a homiletical move happen, and you know, offering on just a local church level. I think those are really good. I've never seen that, um, but I went through a circle with fellow kind of pastors and ministers, and it was really great. It was a little cohort kind of deal, and everybody preached a sermon and critiqued and worked together. Um, you know, it just kind of it, it was like kind of Proverbs 27 says, Iron sharpens iron. And it's just a, it's a good network of people to learn together, and grow together, and uh, and also discipling, you know, and uh, and that's we shouldn't just leave that to the Bible colleges or seminaries. And say, yeah, the church should, the church should be the hub of training the next generation. Right. And that happens not just in a classroom, but it needs to happen in a real sense. So that's where pulpit sharing would happen. Uh, So I just can't, I can't highly recommend that enough because I didn't get it. And I wish I had that as a young uh, pastor learning and growing. Um, And um, and it it just helps, you know, and that's a way to start church planting. That's a way to send out missionaries to the field because you get them a buzz of that experience and excited and i was like man we want to send you to the to to the mission field we want to send you as a church plant from here we want to train you as an elder and uh, that's exciting stuff
0: it's all good well i hope that uh i hope that you guys have lo- enjoyed listening to this um you know we we speak with a little experience and and we just want the best for you guys, but we're so happy that you choose to listen to the Ordinary Radical podcast. If you've enjoyed, why don't you like and share and give us five stars? Right? And that we usually say. There you go. And I uh, hope that uh, you have a wonderful day.
1: You got? You want to say anything, man? Uh, no, it's cool, man. Hey, uh, let's press on. Let's be faithful. Let's uh, continue make disciples and uh, let's love on people and advance His kingdom together. Amen. Sure. That's so good. Amen. We'll talk to you soon.